Welcome to Catholic Confessions. Okay, hello, I'm Edith. Thank you for joining us for another podcast episode. For today, we'll be exploring the topic of interfaith dialogue, which I believe is not something that a lot of listeners are familiar with. And my guest speaker for today is somebody who has been personally involved in interfaith work, and he's none other than my former parish priest, Father Bruno Saint-Gihond. Apologies for pronunciation errors. Okay, now in all the years that I've known Father Bruno, I don't recall ever really having a conversation with him about interfaith dialogue, even though I was aware that he used to do some work with an interfaith organization in Singapore. Now he has returned to France and he will still be continuing with interfaith work over there. So for today, I'm very pleased to have him here to discuss this topic with me over Zoom. So hello, Father. Maybe we can start with you telling us uh, what you were doing in Singapore with regard to interfaith activities. So hi to everyone. Uh, yes, I was in Singapore for about 15 years, between 2004 and 2019. And uh, I started from the beginning, Sister Teresa Xiao got me involved into interfaith dialogue when I arrived. And I joined the inter-religious organization. I was with them for about two years as an active member. Then I went to India to learn Tamil. In India, I also uh, deepened my understanding of the Hindu faith and worked on the Catholic ashrams, so places which are in between Christianity and Hinduism. Uh, before that, in Sri Lanka, I had worked on Buddhism, practiced Buddhist meditation. So these are a bit my two areas where I was more involved. And so after I came back from India in 2007, I started getting again involved in interfaith dialogue. This was Sister Mariella, who was, they had set up a committee, I don't remember, it was already called IRED, Interreligious and Ecumenical Dialogue, the Archdiocesan Commission for, or Commission or Council something. Uh, so part of the Catholic Church, so I was involved with them. We gave a few talks, then I was still involved with the IRO, I gave some talks for IRCCs. So IRO is the Interreligious Organization. IRCCs are the interracial and religious constituency, or I forgot the exact names. But in each area in Singapore, you have one IRCC. And then I got involved. I followed in the Harmony Center a program called Developing Conversation Circles, uh, which was very interesting. It was more about sharing in I. Uh, in IRO, IRCC, usually you are there to represent your own faith. So you will say, in a way, what you are supposed to say. In DCC, Developing Conversation Circles, you are asked more to share how you personally uh, understand things, experience things, uh, whether you agree or not with your, what your religion is saying. So it's a very much more personal uh, way of approaching interfaith dialogue. And from there, I also moved to uh, joining a group called EIF, Exploration into Faith, which was also the, a bit the same type as, as the Developing Conversation Circles, but organizing many different events for different groups of people. Mm, okay, then if I were to just ask you, what is interfaith dialogue? What reply would you give? Basically, I would say it's when people from different religions come to meet each other, and it can have different levels of interaction. It can be just daily life interactions, but it can be daily life interactions. We already uh, will see certain things that are different in the way of, let's say, praying before meals or or handling situations, or, or maybe asking God for help, or looking at life situations. So sometimes through just living with someone from a different faith, it can be neighbors, it can be sometimes a spouse, it can be uh, uh, 
other people at work, etc. So there is something of an encounter that is already taking place. Then there is a more formal one where we purposely choose to discuss an area of link to religion or spirituality. Interfaith dialogue can actually mean inter-religious dialogue between people of different religions. It can mean also inter-spiritual dialogue between people who have different spiritualities, and that can include the people who have no, who are not part of an official religion, but who have a spirituality and who are searching for God, for the meaning of life, or what it means to be human. And so at many different levels, there can be some forms of interaction. And I would say interfaith dialogue includes all these types of interactions and uh, encounters. Would you say that there are some common uh, principles or starting points of interfaith dialogue? It seems to me that it's the starting point is to, to understand. Because I think mm-hmm. maybe for some of us, we would be uh, wondering, oh, but there are so many differences. So how do you deal with the differences, that, that kind of thing? Mm. Very often eh, when we don't understand someone else, uh, we will easily tend to have stereotypes about the other person. I remember in the Holy Trinity, my first parish in Singapore, I invited a Muslim friend to give a talk on Islam. And his first question to the people, parishioners who came to listen to him was, how many of you have a Muslim friend? And actually very few of those who came had a Muslim friend. And he said, yeah, very easily if we don't know someone from the other uh, faith or group or even like the humanist or atheist, we will tend to have stereotypes about them. So understanding better is, is a very good way of, yeah, in a way, removing the stereotypes, being a bit more open-minded. To me, that's one of the first principles, the openness, being open-minded to hearing a different way of looking at things than my own. And that from there, we can really start on a journey of discovery of ourselves, of uh, the ultimate, of someone else. So it's a kind of adventure in a way, huh? I believe people really want to enter into interfaith dialogue are people who want to enter into a journey. And I believe that's a basic of uh, religion. That's a basic of our relationship with God or relationship with or those who don't believe in God, but who are religious of their religious quest or spiritual quest. I like very much the word pilgrim. So how to be pilgrim? We are all on a journey and meeting someone else who is also on a journey is enriching. Mm. And you also mentioned that it, it can take place at maybe like generally two levels. One is the more informal kind of a level that can happen at everyday interactions or also a more formal kind of setting where you really sit down and you know, purposefully discuss certain ideas and all that. So could we maybe go a bit deeper into what happens during one of these formal gatherings? Uh, you will have informal gatherings. It can be like the under the IRO, they will organize IRO prayers for different occasions. Like I remember there was for the Formula One uh, race. There is when there is a new building, whether it's an army building or official buildings, different religious leaders will come and pray each according to their own tradition or pray in silence. It depends. So that's one type. Another type is to have people coming together. There was one such gathering for the the Christian meditation group in Singapore organized an interfaith gathering with the IRED commission I was part of to allow different religious leaders to share how they practice prayer meditation, what are the links, what are the differences. Uh, so there was a gathering for like two days, I think, in a, in a Catholic junior college. 
then you will have religious leaders who will explain to the audience how their faith approaches this particular topic. Uh, that's what we were doing for IRCCs also. Uh, we were invited, a few religious leaders, so it may not be the 10 religions who are in Singapore under the IRO. Sometimes it will be the three or four main religions, Buddhism, Taoism, Islam, Christianity, Hinduism. These are usually the, the ones that are more asked to share. Uh, so they will be asked to share how they view this particular topic. And uh, it can be any kind of topic. It can be the environment. It can be evil. It can be terrorism. It can be uh, interfaith uh, marriages or conversion. Of course, some topics are more sensitive than others. And that's where, according to who is coming at the gathering and who is speaking, different things can be said. The more informal group will usually go more into sensitive topics because people are expected to speak in I. They are allowed to say they disagree with certain things their religion say or what they heard from their religion, but they may say, in my own religion, there are different views on this and I'm more of this particular view rather than that one. So it's more personal and it's more uh, personal journey. So have you, you have experienced all, all these different levels of uh, interfaith dialogue, right? Any insights that you will want to share with us? Well, one, one in a way, insight I, I got was the, what I mentioned in some of my talks, that there can be three attitudes in terms of relating to other religions. Uh, one is the soldier attitude, where I believe my religion has a truth and others are more or less wrong. And so I'm there and I'm coming to interfaith dialogue with the hope of getting other people to realize that I have the truth and that they are wrong and that they should change. So, of course, this kind of attitude doesn't really work in interfaith dialogue, and, but it's good to be aware that sometimes, even though we may wish to listen to the other person, we may also have the intention of converting them and, and that intention will be perceived by the other people and will not create a very good atmosphere. On the other extreme, you have people who I like to call wishy-washy. They would say, you know, every religion is okay, every religion is fine, doesn't matter. Uh, it's all the same. So they will tend to forget the differences and they will tend to just focus on, you know, all religions call us to do good. So, so there's no need to talk about the differences because anyway, we are all the same. But they are like hiding from some parts of the reality that we are different and we have different beliefs. Some beliefs are similar, but some beliefs are different. And the third attitude is the one I, I like to promote, is the attitude of a pilgrim. A pilgrim who is like in between the soldier and the wishy-washy person is really believing that each religion has a treasure and we can learn from each other and we can... In a way, God is more than me. God is more than you. So there is something about God that I don't know. And there is something about God that you don't know. And when we come and meet with each other and we dialogue, we may be maybe discovering new things about God, about what being human is about, and, and this is something interesting. Uh, I have a Muslim friend who one day said, he gave the image of the will, and he said, you, if you are on the outside of the will, uh, you focus on the rituals, on the rules, and you can see a lot of differences between different religions. But the closer you come to God, to the center of the will, the closer you also come to each other. And you realize that there, may, there are still differences, but we have also a lot in common. So that's maybe one of, one of the insights in a way. 
Yeah, I guess that is actually entirely possible because I do have a couple of uh, Muslim friends on Facebook and sometimes they, they share their sayings from the Quran and sometimes it is, it's really presented in a way that I have never come across before, that kind of thing. And, and it also is enlightening. So have, have there been any particularly um, edifying experiences that you have, you've had or any like tense instances of conflict? Well, tenses were, would be when, uh, when one of the religious leaders uh, clearly tries to show you that his, his religion is better than the other, uh, the other two uh, which are there. Uh, this has happened a few times and it's, not, it's always yeah, a bit tense uh, because that's not what you are supposed to do in interfaith dialogue. Or if the person does this, I believe the person should say that my view is that this particular aspect of my faith answers better this particular problem than the other ones. But I think we need humility. We need to say, but I may be wrong. And there may be things in the other religions that I don't know. And, uh, and I would be happy to, to hear from. Uh, the problem is when someone comes in a very top-down approach uh, with stereotypes about the other religions and in a way puts them down in front of the audience. That, that has happened not very often, but still a few times. And that's not very comfortable there. On the other hand, beautiful experiences is really when, uh, when we are able to realize, yes, there is this in the other religion, the person that I'm hearing now, there is this that, that in a way is new for me and that, wow, I never imagined we can look at things this particular way. And that's a kind of uh, eye-opening uh, moment. I don't have particular examples that come now to my mind on this, but uh, maybe later. Yeah, so how about like, yourself um, personally, after going through all these um, interactions and, and various encounters, have they influenced your own perspective of uh, Christianity or your worldview? Uh, yes, yes, yes. In a way, maybe I can say a bit about my background uh, before I came to Singapore. I remember when I was in France, I interacted mainly with people who are Catholics or people who, have, who were Catholics but left the church and they don't have... Uh, faith, much faith anymore, they, they still believe in God maybe, but they are not very interested in, in religion. And I had a bit of view that other religions were not very interesting because I didn't know them. And when I went to Sri Lanka, that was when I was 20 plus as a, as a volunteer, I discovered that, hey, Buddhists are not stupid. And I had a very interesting experience. There was someone I was working with and we have some uh, regular conflicts and I, I would find it quite difficult to forgive that person. But after I did the 10 days Buddhist meditation, it's part of the Vipassana method, I was able to forgive the person. Then I told myself in Christianity, we, we say that we have to forgive, we have to forgive, but, but how to forgive? Sometimes it's not easy. With the Buddhist meditation, I was able to forgive. There was no more problem. So I found hey, they have developed certain tools. Of course, Christianity has also developed tools on how to forgive, but I had not discovered them. Uh, I had discovered one tool from the Buddhist tradition that made it easy to forgive. And so there were things I could learn from others. Uh, later on, working on yoga, I realized that yeah, doing yoga allows my whole body to enter into prayer. And that's something that I've not found in the same way in Christianity. I tend to believe that there may be more I, I need to discover huh, on, on certain uh, maybe Christian tradition from other countries. but. So far, I have not discovered in Christianity such a way of allowing your whole body with the different muscles, with the breathing, with the, 
different body parts to really enter into prayer, enter the relationship with God. And I found that something beautiful in yoga. So, so in a way, it has helped me realize that each religious tradition has its strengths and its weaknesses uh, because each tradition is linked also to particular cultures, sometimes one culture, sometimes several cultures. But uh, Christianity is in all around the world. So, of course, Christianity in France will be different from Christianity in Singapore, in India, in China, in, in different African countries, in South America, North America. So the culture also influences the religion. But each time you have new treasures that emerge and you have also limitation because each language has its limitation. That's each language is one particular way of looking at the reality. So to a certain extent, each religion, depending on how open it is to different languages and cultures, will have also its own limitations and ways of looking at God, ways of looking at life. Christianity has been very much influenced by the Hebrew and then the Greek way of looking at things. But the Indian way of looking at things is again very different. I believe it's very important to learn to open our mind to a new way of new ways of looking at things. And in a way, encountering another religion or someone who is a pilgrim, whether he or she has a religion or not, each encounter becomes a new way of encountering something new of the world, of the reality, of God, etc. That in a way has helped me see Christianity as part of the, in a way, part of the game or part of this varieties of worldviews and I believe very much because I worked when I was in India I worked on this priest called Father Jules Monchana he was the French priest who went to India and he started the first Catholic ashram in India and he says that really Christianity has to be in dialogue with each group and that enriches us and we cannot be without that relationship so in a way every human group that exists uh, we need to be in a relationship with that group, and that's part of Christianity. So Christianity would not be the whole of the world. The whole of the world is God. Uh, but Christianity needs to be relay in relationship, related to all the different groups and views, even those we may not agree with. Yeah. So that's, that's very interesting. Maybe one way to would be in, the, in that same line, huh? the, word, the word dialogue itself, um, very often we think, you know, it's made of two words, dia, and it comes from the Greek, huh? dia and logos, so dialogue, dia and logos. Logos is the word, but dia, very often people think that dia means two, two persons dialoguing. But actually dia in Greek doesn't mean two. I forgot what's the name for two. Dia means going through like a diagonal that goes through the, the, the square. Uh, so dia means really, then dia, logos, how the word which can be the word of God for the believers, how the word of God is passing through the person that I'm listening. In a more Christian, usual language, we would say how the spirit of God is already uh, speaking through this person that I'm encountering. And that changes the whole perspective. I'm not just dialoguing to, to hear new things or even to... I know my, one of my natural tendencies is to, when I listen to someone, is to... Uh, I easily find things that I think are missing in, in the person understanding of life. But doing that, I take a top-down approach to the person, and that's not helpful. The dialogos understanding really invites me 
instead of, of trying to find what is missing in this person, oh, this person, you know, is not yet Catholic, or oh, this person doesn't yet believe in God, or oh, this person is not yet uh, good in this particular area. Instead of looking at that, this invites me to try more to see what is already there in the person that is beautiful. And that, I can believe, is coming from God. So how is God already speaking to that person, whether the person believes in God or not? That changes completely the way I relate to this person. And I believe in a way, in a, in a couple relationship, uh, husband, wife, but in all friends' relationship, the same is at stake. Am I relating to this person with the habit of, of checking what, what is not good enough? Or am I really trying to see what is beautiful in this person that I'm encountering and, and how is that person living from the Spirit of God? The marriage encounter movement is very much on this uh, regarding marriage. How to really help husband and wife listen to each other. So in a way, it's the same attitude in interfaith dialogue, in friends' dialogue, in couples' dialogue. It's really this attitude of learning to listen. And I think we all life, we, 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 can't, we cannot say one day, that's it. Now I'm a perfect listener. I know how to listen. I have listened to everyone and everything. It's, it's a never-ending journey. Okay, then building upon that, um, what you said about the concept of dialogue, you were saying it can be applied to all facets of life. And because right now, personally, I'm also quite concerned with, uh, like, you know, we have a lot of uh, conflicting I- ideologies out mm. there, right? Various uh, movements and all that. And sometimes I feel that the church and its members are constantly under some kind of uh, attack. And, mm. and clearly, there's very little listening, like you were saying, very, very little listening to each other, but a lot of like pinpointing where you're wrong and, and putting mm-hmm. both sides, putting each other down. And yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I wonder if yeah, more of these uh, principles of dialogue can be, can be applied to the discussion. Yeah. To me, I would tend to say, of course, it's easier when you have a distance, huh? when you are being attacked, you're... Maybe natural reaction for many people is just to try to fight back, huh? but this doesn't help. Taking some distance, I believe a, a better or good reaction would be to try to understand why is the person attacking uh, me or my beliefs or my way of looking at things? What is it that makes them react to this? And is there something I have to learn from, from their way of looking at it? And And... The moment someone is able to move into that direction, I think it opens new doors and new perspectives. You may realize that, yes, maybe the other person has certain stereotypes, but there is also something that is very important for this person, and maybe that same thing is actually important for me. Maybe I forgot it, or I, I was too fast, or maybe the stereotypes don't help the other person from uh, having a better understanding. But very often we realize in a dialogue that, in a way, we, we all have to, we not have to change because I don't like the have to, huh? but we, we all are called to change and go deeper and into this being a pilgrim, into humility, into realizing that I don't have the whole truth. Uh, you know, when Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, the life, huh? very easily there can be a temptation for Christians to say, oh, so we have the truth. And this is actually found in other religions also, huh? the same attitude. We are the good ones. It's the soldier attitude. But to me, I say, if Jesus is the truth, the truth is not something I can put in a box and, and, and limit to my, what I have in my brain. The truth is always beyond whatever I have understood of, of Jesus, of God. We always make images. That's, that's another 
a strong point huh? I, I believe in. We always have an image of God, an image of Jesus. But God is more than my image. God, Jesus is more than my image of Jesus. So meeting someone else who has a different image, it will help me again uh, enlarge my, my little box. We need images, huh? but, but images also limit. Yeah. Jean Vanier says something very interesting on this, the founder of Faith and Light, Large. He says, we all need a group to belong. But the problem is when my particular group says, my group is better than your group. And then we, we, we are again on the top-down relationship. So I stopped comparing religion, saying my religion is better than other religions. Okay, I won't tell them, but this is what I believe. I think that attitude is not helpful. Because then we take a top-down attitude and there is no more pilgrimage towards God. My religion, in a way, becomes more important than God. Whereas I believe religions are, are more a way for us to move towards God, not to be enclosed into an identity that prevents us. So maybe some people who attack others, it's because their identity is threatened and they feel, uh, yeah, they feel threatened. They feel they have to attack to defend themselves. But once you realize we are all on a journey towards God, there's no need to attack. There's, there's just a need to better understand, to listen, to make space in yourself for the experience of the other person as much as possible. And, and then life becomes more beautiful. There's no more fighting and I mean, there are still people who fight, but you don't need to fight anymore. Even this virus, the French president said, we are at war against the virus. I thought, that's skinny. I'm not at war against the virus. I have to learn how to live with this virus around and not as much as possible, not get infected. But it's not in the logic of war and fighting. It's in the logic of learning to, to live in a way that makes things beautiful for yourself and for others as much as possible, of course. So yes, there is still fighting in the world, but I believe, uh, and maybe that should be the role of religious people, is not to fight, but to create bridges of peace. Uh, not to oppose, but to, to link. And to link, to create links doesn't mean we agree with everything. We accept to be different. And I think that's, that's also very important. Accepting to disagree on certain things, accepting to be different, and it's okay. It's... In a way, marriage, again, huh, gives us a very good example of, of that. You have a man and a woman, and they are different. The body, physical body, is different. The mind is also different, and each person will be different from another person. So in a way, life, if the Bible tells us God created us, men and women, in his image, in a way, God is telling us that there is diversity, and God's image includes diversity. That means in God himself, there is diversity. And I think when we say we believe in God Trinity, we say something about that. There is diversity in God. There is diversity in the world. In the Quran, there is this clear line that says that God created different religions. That one we don't say it's not in the Bible, but we as Christians, there are Christians who believe that, yes, maybe it is God who wants different religions so that there is diversity like man, woman, and so that we learn to be pilgrims and not creating a little box. But there's no official uh, doctrine on, from Christianity on this. Huh? There are just different views. So, so, but that's a very interesting view. Maybe another, another aspect uh, I thought about was, you know, very often you, people will say that uh, to engage into interfaith dialogue, you need to be rooted in your own tradition. Otherwise, you will be get lost. I would tend to say I'm not sure, I'm not sure if, if that's really needed. That can be helpful. Uh, especially if you dialogue at a theological level, 
um, if you want to explain how uh, is how is the Trinity in the Christian understanding, and then you will have Muslims, Hindu, Buddhists who will share their own understanding of God. Yes, of course, you need to be able to explain. But if you are entering interfaith dialogue with more the idea of sharing your own journey and listening to the journeys of the other people, you don't need to be uh, perfect in all the theological fields. In a way, you need to be rooted in your own experience and be able to put words on your own experience. But even then, meeting someone else who will share their experience may help you to slowly learn to put words on your own experience. I remember very often I would tell parishioners in Singapore, one day you could just, if you are not doing it yet, you could just try to meet some of your neighbors and ask them, how does your faith, your beliefs, help you live your daily life? I, I am interested to hear because you are different from me. And then if your neighbors are interested, you can also share how your faith, your own beliefs are helping you live your daily life. But that's in a way a challenge. So we don't need to be very rooted in our own faith to be able to do that. But we need to be able to put words on our experience and slowly start seeing, actually, how is my faith impacting my daily life? It's more than just going to Mass on Sunday. And very often we are doing it and our faith is impacting our life, but not everyone is used to putting words on, on this and in a way clarifying what are the aspects of my life that are changed or that are helped or maybe sometimes that are hindered also because of my faith. And how do I see it? And am I happy with it? Am I not happy with it? Etc. And then neighbors will be this way. They are already helping each other. And maybe after a conversation with my neighbor, I will say, oh, yes, huh? actually, I don't understand anything about this God Trinity that my neighbor doesn't understand. I also don't understand. So I want to know more. Actually, yeah, I don't know how. How is my faith impacting the way I, I behave at work? I need to dig more on that and maybe learn to see what my faith is saying about being at work and what is the meaning of work or, or what is the meaning of a family, etc. All different aspects of life. I have a personal experience to share with regard to that. And that was actually one of the, I think, one of the motivations for me to start this um, podcast platform. Because, um, I mean, just one fine day, I was, this was overseas and I was sitting with a Muslim friend in a, in a cafe. And she just suddenly popped the question, like, can you tell me more about the Catholic Church? She was really interested. And I think I spent maybe like, it was not like I knew a lot, but I knew in a way I knew enough to share from my experience and and I think I spent about maybe half an hour just talking about the faith. And at the end of it, and she was very receptive because she really wanted to know. And at, and at the end of it, I, it struck me that I don't, I don't recall having these kind of conversations very much, even with uh, friends of the same re religion, you know. It's like we, we just, there's a lot of it that is just, uh, it's a bit, I think sometimes it's a bit self-centered. There's a lot of like, oh, how, how, how the faith has impacted me, 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 me. How, how have I lived my faith and all the problems I'm experiencing and, and, and all that. Yeah, but very little talk about the faith itself. Yes, so, so that, that was, that actually gave me a, one of the reasons that they gave me the, the push to, to start this kind of uh, conversations about the faith. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, that's where, in a way, each, each person, I would say, has a, has a unique journey of learning to grow. Huh? So that's beautiful.
Okay, so thank you very much, Father Bruno, for your time and your sharing. And I think you have given us quite a lot to think about, especially in with regard to our conception of God and the place of different religions in the world. And I'm sure that if we, especially those of us living in Singapore, where we where the other religions, major religions, are so prominent in our lives that I'm sure if we make more of an effort to understand these religions and broaden our worldview, we will ultimately, like you said, as a program, better appreciate our where we are in the larger scheme of things as we all make our collective and individual journeys towards God. So thank you everyone for listening and God bless. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy, also for conducting the interview. Thank you, Father. For more confessions, do check out our website and Facebook page.